Father, we do thank you that you are the faithful one. We thank you that as we come together as brothers and sisters from across the nations, our testimony is the same. You are the faithful one. And we just thank you for our brother Eno here now and the team. And we ask, Lord, that as Eno just shares your word with us, he will know great freedom, for he is among family. We thank you for the privilege of receiving him and others into our midst. And we ask, Lord, that every one of us will encounter you afresh through what is shared this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Right, sir. Thank you. Are you switched on? I think I'm switched on. Should be switched on or not? Okay. All right. Can you hear me? Anything? One, two, yes. Excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's so great to be here. As I was preparing my message, I prayed to Saint Francis. He's my favorite saint. He answers my prayers very quickly. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> well, you should have seen your faces. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that was... Well, I'm so grateful that um, we've been hosted by you. Your weather may be cold, but you are certainly not. So thank you for your warm welcome. Uh, we had a great time with the Global Nomads Conference here uh, in Durham. It's so great to be back in Durham. I... Uh, yeah, it's become one of my favorite cities. It's in my top thousand. So, well, um, I will share a little bit about myself, and uh, so you get to know me a little. And then I want to share a few stories from the Silk Road, as well as uh, a few scriptures. So you've heard about Global Nomads. For those who don't know us, we're uh, an international bunch of guys who want to see the, especially the Turkey people groups reached. And our motto is catalyzing indigenous movements. So we want to see that movements take place in these places and that they're owned by the indigenous. So we're only going in to start something, but then we want to withdraw and see them uh, ruling or reigning what they're doing. And um, I want to start with this verse, uh, I think a very significant verse, that's our mandate. And this is something that Jesus said just before he left the earth. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, the one who has all the authority is speaking to us. And this is what he's saying, go therefore, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't that powerful? So we see on one side he says, I am the one who has all the authority. And he says, behold, I am with you. Isn't that great? And therefore, we can do what he called us to do and go everywhere to all nations and make disciples. So this is not a go, not primarily a go command. 
This is actually a make disciples command. This is one of the verses that I looked up the most uh, to see in Greek what it really says. And there is one imperative, and it's make disciples. And how? As we are going and baptizing them and teaching them to obey. Not just teaching them. I think teaching to obey has a different quality to it. So I find it uh, very interesting that this is actually for all of us. And not just to the ends of the world. As we are going. And all of us are going somewhere. There are unreached people across the street. And some of, some of us are called to go to the ends of the world. But we're all going. A friend of mine said, you're either the missionary or the mission field. So we're all missionaries and sent to go into our neighborhoods, into the schools where we are, in the, in the workplace, and so on, and to make disciples. Well, I was born and raised in Switzerland, into a Turkish family. I was raised in Islam, and I, as I, when I think back, I always had this desire to somehow get in touch with God. I wanted to know, can I have a personal relationship with him? So by the age of 13, I purchased the Quran and started to read it to find out what God wants me to do. I was pretty disappointed because it was a very confusing book for me. And I put it aside and I started a rock and roll band and music became my religion. And when I was 16, I went to a new school and there was a guy who was literally beaming. His face was shining when I saw him the first time. And I looked into his face and I saw another face looking at me smiling at me, friendly. And immediately I felt like that he has something that I don't have and that I desperately need. So I took him aside and I said, you are different. And he said, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. And that has blown my circuits. Because nobody at 16 was, it wasn't cool to be religious or or spiritual or anything. But he obviously found something and he was so convinced about it that he unashamedly said, I believe in Jesus. I said, I'm a Muslim. I have read the Quran, but I'm looking for the truth. And he said, then read this. And he gave me a New Testament. And I took it, thankfully, I said, I will read it. And I will, that's what I thought, prove to you that it's wrong. That's what I was taught as a Muslim, that the Christians have corrupted the book. Anyways, I started reading it, and the three years period started where I was going through the New Testament. I needed to find out if this was really the truth. And God's word started to speak to my heart. It's a way too long story to share here, but I knew that this was the truth. And one day I came to him and I said, I want to surrender. And I had the privilege to lead my band to the Lord even before I was following the Lord. I just dragged them along with me. And then we saw a little revival. We saw lots of young people between the age of 16 and 26 come to the Lord every week, two, three conversions. And our group started to grow, 30, 60, 100. And in the coming years, we've seen hundreds of people giving their lives to Jesus. A lot of them fell away too, I have to say. But that has basically spoiled me for the rest of my life. I said, Lord, I want to see this. I want to see how people come to you, get delivered, healed, and start following you and become disciples that make disciples. And God spoke to me after seven years into my conversion and said, I want you to go to your people. So I went to Turkey 
I met George and Alison. We both can't remember how that really happened, but uh, they've taken me to Bulgaria and said there's a large minority of Turks living in Bulgaria and nobody working amongst them. So I said, okay, that's where I want to labor. But George also put the seed of the Silk Road into my heart, saying there are all these Turkic people groups along the Silk Road. And then I knew this is what I will do for the rest of my life. I want to see that each people group there, almost 60 of them, will have a church planting initiative. Because a lot of them are so-called unreached, but a lot of them are unengaged, which means no Bible, no church, no known believers, and the saddest, nobody who went to tell them the gospel. Can you imagine that? There's still people groups like that, roughly 3,000 around the world that don't have a missionary. And Jesus said, go. And he's calling us to go and expand his kingdom. And I want to read you a verse. We know after he said that and he said, you will receive the Holy Spirit. He was taken on the clouds to the heavens. And a few centuries earlier, Daniel saw that in a vision, but not from an earthly position, but from a heavenly position, he was allowed to see that scene. And we read that in Daniel, I haven't put it up there, Daniel 7, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And he says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Who's that? Jesus. And he came to the ancient of days. Who's that? The father. And was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. That's our Lord Jesus Christ who said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And often we feel weak, and we go out there to places where they have not waited for us. In some places they say, why do you come and bring this foreign thing? But we have the mandate to go anyway. And there is a harvest out there. There are people who want to hear the gospel and need to hear it. And there will be a harvest and people coming to the Lord. And they will be discipled and make disciples. So I want to challenge us today that we will be part of that disciple-making movement that Jesus started. When he came here on earth, he has rallied 12 guys around him. And he has given them a model And he taught them how to preach the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, now go and heal the sick, deliver uh, those that are oppressed, and bind the brokenhearted. And they started communities of faith. And it started to become a movement that stretched all over the world. In fact, in the first century, all the known world was reached. The gospel went to all these places. And we're a part of that great movement. It came all the way to us. 
When I was, became a believer in 91, I was one of 150 Turks worldwide following Christ. Can you imagine that? I didn't know that. I, in fact, thought I was the only one. For a few years, I couldn't find another Turk. And when George went to Turkey, there were five, now he says probably less than five, known believers in the whole country. Can you imagine that? So the job is not finished. And it's a glorious job. I think it's a great privilege that he takes us into his business and says, make disciples. And some of you think, well, I'm not the missionary type. Well, who is a missionary type? But I want to encourage, especially the young people, that you study whatever God puts on your heart and then use that to further his kingdom in some of the undeveloped areas on this, uh, in this world and help the Christians there in these countries to develop their own country. This is how we build the kingdom in these places and the people will see our good works and will praise our Father in heaven. So, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You're a very missional church, and you're sending people, and you have mission on your heart. But what else shall I talk about? This is pretty much what God put on my heart. So, this is the field, the silk road that we're working along. And not only, I mean, we started also work in Germany, amongst the Turks in Europe, but uh, this is about 90%, represents 90% of all the Turkic people groups. And I want to share what God is doing there. In 1991, when communism came down, there was less than a 1,000 MBBs, Muslim background believers, in the entire region, including Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq. 30 years ago, less than a 1,000. But, praise God, something's happening there is some significant church growth, especially after communism fell in the 90s. There was lots going on. We see some stagnation, but in recent years we see how the Holy Spirit is picking up speed again and more people come to the Lord. I want to tell you the story of a shy lady. She's a single mom. Her husband left her. She's from Uzbekistan when she became a believer. And she's raising this boy. I've actually met her some years ago. But then we had a training, I think it was last year in Turkey, and she showed up. I thought, who has sent her to come to this training? Because she was such a shy lady, she couldn't even look into my eyes. And then when the, the training was finished, they all left, went back to their places, and I followed these people up. So half a year later, I went to Uzbekistan. I gathered all the trainees and just to find out what happened. And this was her testimony. She looked me in the eye, and she said, I came in as a kitten into this training, and I went out as a lioness. And she said, I promised to the Lord that I will share the gospel every single day with at least one person, and I have done so. And she's cleaning the houses of the rich. And she started two house churches. That shy little lady. Praise the Lord. That's in Uzbekistan. I mean, it's on the world watch list of uh, persecuted places. I don't know, in the 20s, maybe 25 or 30. I mean, one of the toughest places. And there was another guy who also came to the same training. He's from Kyrgyzstan. 
And when I saw him, I thought, who has sent this old, old fellow to this training? And then I found out that he's only four years older than I am. <laughs> well, sometimes they look older than they are. But uh, this guy went back and he started five house churches outside of Bishkek. And he has ten disciples, young folks. He just draws his people in. They're really hungry for fathers and mothers. And he's walking with them. And he told me each of them have between five to 15 disciples as well. And he said, I was tempted to put them all together and have a nice church. But I understood, no, if we centralize this, it won't continue to multiply. And I told him, don't dare to do that. Just release these young folks to pour into the next generation and have these 15 guys that they're discipling also disciple another 15. And soon you will see a huge movement. And this is still going on, praise the Lord. So this is what God is doing. That's like, that's comparable to family. You have your own children and you don't want them to stay always in your house, right? You're looking forward to send them out so they can start their own families. You know, they had a discussion between a rabbi, a Catholic priest, and um, uh, um, a reformed pastor when life really begins. So the Catholic said, obviously, when when you conceive by conception and uh, the reformed guys say well we don't know maybe you know three months when the conscience whatever and, and the rabbi said I don't know when life begins for you but life begins for me when the kids are out and the dog is dead <laughs> so you don't want your kids to stay with you always forever they will start new families and if you have a good relationship with them, you can still influence. They will come back and ask you. But you trust that you have deposited something in them so they can continue the work and have children, and their children will have children. And that's the same spiritually. I think it's time to raise people that will go out and raise others, and they will raise others, and they will raise others. And soon you will see how the earth gets filled I think it's a challenge for all of us, even if you have one or two disciples. And all you need to do is be one step ahead, and you can help anyone else already to do the same step. So when they come to faith, we encourage them immediately to share with their environment, with their people, with the people they know. And we tell them, what do you know what all your friends don't know? And they say, well, how to come to Christ and that he's the Savior. So go ahead and share it. You don't have to wait. You can do that immediately. And once you learn something new, you can teach others to do it, just like we read. And teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. So we want to make sure that everyone is a disciple and that everyone makes disciples. And this is how we see uh, the ripple effect and how people will continue and be fruitful and see more coming to Christ. And I tell you, you don't need to make a lot of disciples. Even if it's one or two or three, Jesus had 12, one committed suicide. But if all of us do it, you could double the church within a year, easily. I think everyone here could lead another person to the Lord within one year. Do you believe that's possible? That's not a big task. You can pray and say, Lord, show me that one person you want to give me. 
and that I can pour into and disciple. And then you see how this church can double within a year and then double next year again. And soon this place will be too small. I think that's the vision that God carries in his heart for us. And Paul gave us a good example how he did it. This is one of my favorite verses that he said, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that powerful? So Paul was not only speaking to them. Obviously he was. But he said, what you have learned, what you have received, heard and seen. So he was really walking with these people. That's discipleship. I would have not survived if there would have not been men that poured into my life. Especially in the beginning. I was so broken, coming from a very broken background. Um, my family was really in disorder. I didn't know what uh, a healthy family, how it looks like. And there have been people who prayed with me, who stood with me. I was able to go to them and reach out to them when I had difficulties. In the midst of joy and everything when I experienced Jesus, but there was also lots of problems. My parents threatened to kill me. My mother wanted to stab me when she, when she found out that I've become a follower of Christ. So I was forced to run away from home. That was difficult. If there would have not been people around me, I would have probably fallen away because I said, how can I, this is impossible, how can I live without my family? The family bonds are much stronger amongst Turkish. And suddenly you you lose your family. But praise the Lord, I found a much bigger family. And that family really helped me and encouraged me. And back then I was praying, Lord, You need to hold me because I might let go. But if you hold me, I will be with you. And he has been holding me faithfully for the last 32 years. Praise the Lord. So we need one another. We need people who help us. We need parents that are way ahead of us, but then also siblings that are, uh, you know, older than us. But then we have those that are younger than, than us, so we help them as well. And so we will have these chains of disciples helping one another. And I think I'm trying to, you know, stick to a few golden, what I call my golden rules. And it's not the rule that he who has the gold makes the rule. Um, When I make disciples, I'm trying to model myself what I want them to do, right? But we can't tell people what they need to do and we're not doing it. So they need to see it in us, not only hear about it. So I need to be tangible. Same with raising kids. If they don't see me doing it, I cannot require it from them to do it and I'm trying to always take someone with me no matter what I do even if I run my errands I say hey you want to come with me so it takes me 20 minutes to go to the next city to do my shopping 20 minutes back I have 40 minutes maybe I spend another 20 minutes shopping there with this guy and we have one hour that I can you know just chat and talk and pour into people 
I had more than one guy saying to me, wow, I had this great breakthrough when we were talking. I said, yeah, when we had that counseling session in that room. I said, no, 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 while we were sitting in the car going for shopping. It's in the flow of life that some things happen. And another thing is keeping things simple. I'm trying not to do things that they cannot do. And I'm trying to be very careful here. That doesn't mean that they always, that we always stay very simple. Obviously we want to challenge them to grow. But if I'm way up here and they're way down here and I'm not coming down to pick them up where they are, they will not grow. They will say, okay, you're the, the expert. You're the specialist. So I'm always trying to do things that they also can do. Keep it very simple. And that's how we empower people. We started very soon with our kids to pray at the table and thank for the meal. So I gave them a model. I just said, Lord, we thank you for this delicious food. Amen. That was easy enough for them to do as well. So I said to my daughter, you want to give thanks? And she said, yes. Thank you, Lord, for this delicious food. Amen. So I have empowered her. Same with my son. And this is how we want to empower people. And the next point is, if they can do it, I don't have to do it. Yeah, I do not have to do everything. I do not have to pray at the table all the time. So I can have them do it and show them God wants to use you too. Often when we pray for the sick, I would just pick someone and say, you lay hands. Uh, we're, we're walking through the ghettos of uh, uh, these Roma ghettos in Bulgaria and people are coming always and saying pray for us and we see so many healings but I don't want them to think that I'm the expert because I'm not it's the Holy Spirit who's doing it so I would just pick someone and say you lay hands and it happened to me that I picked non-believers so they came and laid hands and they were surprised that God was healing <laughs> So one day I picked someone to pray for someone else and didn't know that they, were, they had a big fight between one another. <laughs> and when God used that person, they started to reconcile. So always, we always need to try to work away from ourselves and empower others. And that's how we see that they will go and continue the work. And that's how we ensure that it will be a movement, decentralized and simple, but growing. Not simplistic, but uh, in a way that everybody understands, I can do that too. Well, I'm looking at the watch, and I, I, I think it would be great if we could pray together. If God spoke to you, and you somehow understand, yes, God wants me somewhere in the mission field. And I'm not talking, we're all in the mission field, but cross-culturally I would love you to come forward so we can pray and also for the sick because God said heal the sick so I always want to pray I always want to use any opportunity to lay hands on people because you never know what happens I remember I was in Xinjiang uh, the northwestern province um, go back to the map in Urumqi and we were in a very small room with 40 people and we shared a little and then we said let's invite the Holy Spirit 
And that's my top five, what I've ever, what I've seen. And the Holy Spirit fell upon these people and they were falling over. Some were laughing and some were crying and, and there was so much going on. And I enjoyed it. I love it. I walk around and lay hands on people. And there were two ladies covered with headscarves. And so I went to one, laid hands and wanted to lay hands. Boom, she was on the floor and then oh this one too I said okay praise the Lord the Lord is doing something so I went to others and praying and so on the meeting was over I was very afraid that the secret police would show up because it was so noisy and we were in this tall building I thought the neighbors would call the police but uh, nothing really happened so praise the Lord for that and then about a year later a friend called me up also a Uyghur and he said do you remember that meeting and I said how could I forget it the spirit was working so powerfully. I said, there were two Muslim ladies. I said, oh, the ones with the headscarves. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And one was barren. She couldn't give birth to, to a child. And, you know, in these cultures, it's always the women. <laughs> so they always bring the women and say, pray for them. But we know medically that it's oftentimes uh, actually more uh, with the, the problem with the man. But you pray for the woman. And he heals a man. But anyways. <laughs> so she, as she was on the floor, had a vision of Jesus coming to her with a basket and fruits. And, she, and Jesus said, take and eat. And she was shy. But she started to eat a little and then more and enjoyed it. That was her vision. And shortly after that, she got pregnant. Well, not because of the fruits, you know. <laughs> Don't need to go into biology here. <laughs> and she has given birth to a baby boy and called the boy Esau. And she is a fiery evangelist. So when I heard that story, because I left without knowing what really happened. But when I heard that story, I said, I want to lay hands on everything that moves. <laughs> Because you never know what the Holy Spirit is doing. So I want to encourage you to come forward so we can pray for you. And I know the staff is here. Um, and if it's okay, some of our glow mats can also pray. All right. If you want to keep in touch with us, here's my... Um, if you want the newsletter and hear more about the Turkic world, you can contact me. And I think that's it. I'm done. Oh, uh, I mean, Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Right. If we could have Tina back on the keyboard. Let's stand together. And if we could have the uh, Global Nomads team out, please, because you are going to be our ministry team along with our own ministry team. And if you want prayer, please come out. If you feel there's something connected this morning with what Eno has shared. Or if you want prayer for healing come out. If there is a need in your life that only Jesus can satisfy, please come out because this is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for us to stand together. And Tina's just going to twiddle and then after we've twiddled we'll have the rest of the music group back in a little while for me. Oh, thank you Lord. Father, we just ask right now that you will come that you will just release us into receiving all that you have got for us this morning. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.